0: ever feel like you cook something the wrong way? Like,
1: um, like
0: if you show like if a chef actually watched you make it. Oh yeah. Yeah. They'd be like, well, what? it's
1: like my right way, but I guess to other people. Yeah. I would be embarrassed to cook pretty much anything in front of anyone else.
0: I have a, yeah, I have that sensation a lot in the kitchen. Like I'm completely untrained mm. and um, also like there's certain things that I probably didn't grow up eating a lot of. So I didn't even watch like. My grandpa or my mum cooking it, or any other uh, other people in my life that cooked, and one of those things is mashed potatoes. Oh yeah, I feel like I do it wrong. Do you, like have you got any kind of?
1: Well, I don't really do it. Okay. But I mean, how my mum does it is different to how I would do it. Like she didn't really put any butter in it.
0: Well, that's wrong. I know. Up. I know. Yeah. Okay, well that makes me feel better, at least I know to put butter in it. But I was thinking about it tonight. I made mashed potatoes tonight, uh, um, and they were, they were okay. They were pretty good. Then as, uh, like after dinner, I was um, this parent confession, I was trying to get my kid to sleep, and uh, he was like reading a book or something, so I was just checking on my phone, I'm like, "I'm going to look this up. Am I doing this wrong?" And there was like a billion articles like, mm. "What you you doing wrong with mashed potatoes?" And I wasn't as far off as I thought I was. I think I overcook them because I'm always like, well, you can't overcook them, right? Because you want them to fall apart, but yeah. apparently you can. It makes them turn mealy and maybe uh, yeah. I'm like, okay. So I probably over overcooked them because I had never really even considered that you could.
1: I don't like them being too mashed, like too like um, consistent texture.
0: Like, uh, you know, the people that put it through a ricer. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm not into that either. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a straight up like, you know, just yeah. do it with the masher.
1: but Or a fork. Like, let's not be too fancy. Oh, no, you need a Not all of us have a freaking masher. (laughs) You don't have a potato? No. They're
0: like $1.99. Go to the...
1: I don't have room in my (laughs) tiny apartment for a potato masher. God.
0: I think we're going to need to pass the hat around for the (laughs) Pedia listeners. Somebody... By Emily Potato. I still don't have a rice cooker. Yeah, you need a rice cooker to make that (laughs) McMiracle rice, and now you need a potato masher. If you hadn't guessed, we are talking about potato in this episode. This is the potato episode. Again, it's one of those big ingredients like rice. Uh, I think it's the fourth um, largest crop in the world. Let's give it a crack.
1: What's your fish and chip order? Uh,
0: Grilled flake chips, two potato cakes, depending on where I'm going. If I know they've got a good dim-sim mm. arrangement, I'll go I'll go a dimmy.
1: Interesting. Oh, well, I'm glad you get um, what you call potato cakes, but what I'll refer to in this sentence as deep-fried potato discs, because they divide the nation. They do. In Melbourne, we call them potato cakes. But in Queensland and New South Wales, they say potato scallop. Some just say scallop, which makes no sense at all, uh, because... No. A scallop is a shellfish. Yes. Um,
0: Which you can also buy at a fish and chip shop. Exactly. You're
1: in the fish and chip shop context. Of course, you're going to think scallop. (laughs) Yeah. Um, As in the shellfish. So according to a story in the Sydney Morning Herald by Amy Mitchell Whittington, there's even more names for these fried potato flat pieces of deliciousness (laughs) all around the country. Yes. Yes. And her article embeds a map created by Linguistics Roadshow and it plots all the different names for potato cake all over Australia. It's really cool. I
0: need to check this.
1: Yeah, so you can kind of see um, that blue covers like Victoria and Tasmania, which is potato cake. And then there's another colour kind of covering New South Wales and Queensland, which is like scallop and potato scallop, kind of like interchangeable. Mm -hmm. And then South Australia has potato fritter or just fritter Mm. and western australia has a mix of pretty much everything so i tried to find out how this happened but no one knows
0: nobody knows no
1: well no one's like tried to find out i don't think so in an article on good food richard cornish says what i will comment on is that scallop is a better culinary description because it comes from the french word Escaloper meaning to cut in fine slices. Oh, mm-hmm. well, it
0: makes sense, like scalloped potatoes. Yes, but then, but
1: scallop is also a shellfish, which yeah. we said before like you're in a fish and chip shop, you're gonna think shellfish, yeah. not the French word for cutting things into fine pieces. Yeah, um, but I have to say for us in Victoria, it's pretty much not a cake,
0: it's not a cake. It like really is if not. If you
1: said potato cake without knowing what Without the fish and chip shop, you would think of, like, a cake. Yeah, cake. A yeah. birthday cake made of potatoes. A
0: weird cake.
1: Which kind of sounds good. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, I think I'm going to have to give the correct name to Adelaide with yeah. potato fritter. Like, that makes the most sense.
0: I've got to agree with you. Um, yeah, i got to agree, agree with Adelaide. That never yeah, happens. I know. You know how I'm super old and I always, like, bring up um, – pop-cultural references around you that you don't understand because I'm super old?
1: You don't bring them up as much as you bring up the fact that you are old. Okay.
0: Yeah. Are you familiar with the film Close Encounters of the Third Kind? No. It's a it's a Steven Spielberg film from 1970. I probably should look this up. 75, I'll say. And uh, in it, uh, a man goes crazy, and uh, is obs- has this single-minded obsession about finding this place, this flat, flat-topped flat mountain um, that uh, he doesn't know why he's obsessed with it. In the end, it's because, uh, spoiler alert, there's aliens involved. Anyway, Richard Dreyfuss is the guy, and there's a scene in it where his kind of obsession, his single-minded kind of um, just vision of this place really becomes uh, quite pronounced, is when he starts moulding it, creating a sculpture of it out of mashed potatoes. So sitting at the dinner table. On his plate. On his plate. And he just kind of puts like half the, like scoops pretty much the the whole family's worth of mashed potatoes on his plate. And he he forms this flat topped kind of mountain out of it. And his family are looking at him and his kids start kind of crying because they don't know what dad's Mm. doing. And it's it's actually really poignant. It's a beautiful scene, but um, it, it did. I feel like it, 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 uh, it awakened something in the arts and culture world of mashed potato sculpture because it's a thing. Really? And it's a thing at the Long Island Potato Festival. So if you are a mashed potato sculptor from way back, if you saw Richard (laughs) Dreyfuss making that mountain and you thought, this is for me, uh, you can enter the Long Island Potato Festival mashed potato sculpting competition. Um, uh, We've talked about competitions before. I, I feel like going through some of the rules really... Um, helps paint the picture of the competition so uh, entrants will be supplied with cold mashed potatoes and given 30 minutes to complete their sculpture sculptures may be completed entirely out of potatoes or entrants may choose to embellish their sculptures using materials of their choice I'm not sure I'm what, that. What?
1: Any material?
0: It just says any material. Oh, it says no paint of any kind will be allowed. Embellishments must be brought to the contest, contest by the entrant. So you've got to bring it along with you.
1: Or like bricks. I
0: guess <laughs> that That feels like that would be cheating. <laughs> uh, all contestants are expected to furnish their own tools, which may include utensils, spatulas, and moulds if needed. The supplied mashed potatoes will be moldable on their own. However, entrants may choose to mix their mashed potatoes with other hardening or thickening agents if desired which that feels like mm. cheating as well. I'm just going well, to mix it with sand. So at this mm. point, you could basically just build a house, which, yeah, feels a little bit wrong. Um,
1: Are you sure you're not looking at like the Logies of the <laughs> no, <laughs> potato? It, it feels
0: pretty legit. Okay. Uh, Entrants will be supplied with the same workspace and may only use their specified workspace. So that might mean that you can't actually build a house. Uh, and you, you can't exceed the specified workspace. And it looks like a pretty small space. And this is my favourite one. Entrants must clean up their space after use or face deduction of points. Mm. So they run a tight ship at the Long Island Potato Festival in Long Island, uh, United States. The um, 2015 winner uh, was Rose by Alexandra Palermo from Massapequa, uh, which um, I've, I've seen it. It looks like a rose. It's quite impressive. I think the kids' winner was Puppy.
1: That sounds better.
0: Yeah. Uh, And then the junior, junior kids with sunflower. So it feels like, was it really a sunflower? (laughs) Um, But uh, the date is set for the Long Island Potato Festival 2016. It's August 26th. The venue is TBC. So, you know, uh, maybe just keep (laughs) checking in at the uh, website and start practicing. If you do want to take on Alexandra Palermo from Massapequa, just knock her right off um, with your mashed potato sculpture. Get practising.
1: I'm going to talk about another sci-fi movie. Did you see The Martian with Matt Damon?
0: I did see The Martian with Matt Damon. Really?
1: Yep. I wasn't expecting you to say that.
0: Yeah, well, because I have a kid, so I don't go to movies. But uh, that was one where I managed to get a night off.
1: Well, basically, the only thing I know about it is I watched the trailer and I just remember Matt Damon saying, I'm going to have to science the shit out of this.
0: Yeah, good line.
1: (laughs) Was that a joke in the movie? Um, because it didn't seem like a joke in the oh, trailer. Oh, it, it was a joke. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, it's moved up a rank in my head. Um, anyway, the Ma- the Martians mentioned in an article in the latest issue of Potatoes magazine, <laughs> yes. which we both subscribe to. <laughs> yes, we do. <laughs> it's an Australian magazine for people in the potato industry. And the article starts off like this. In the recent film, The Martians starring Matt Damon. No, sorry. The recent film, The Martians, starring Matt Damon, was a huge success around the world, but few people have considered it to be loosely based on reality. Now it seems that some aspects of the film, specifically the attempt to grow potatoes on Mars, may not have been as far-fetched as they seemed. So, I mean, I'm hooked. <laughs> so basically, NASA has teamed up with the International Potato Centre to raise awareness of the potential for the potato to feed millions of malnourished people all over the world. They want to prove that by growing potatoes on Mars, we could feed the starving people in the world. So it's basically space farming. Yeah. And they've found soil that's almost identical to the soil on Mars in a desert in Peru. And they're replicating the atmosphere of Mars in a lab to test if they can grow potatoes on Mars. And so the article goes on to say... Potatoes may hold the solution as, apart from being an incredibly robust crop, they're also highly nutritious. They're an excellent source of vitamin C, iron and zinc and contain critical micronutrients that are often missing in the diets of vulnerable communities. What's really interesting, though, is that potatoes could actually grow faster on Mars than they do on Earth. And that's because the atmosphere on Mars is almost 95% carbon dioxide which is apparently good for growing potatoes. Yeah. So you can yield two to four times as many potatoes as you can on Earth. So maybe if NASA and the International Potato Centre science the shit out of growing potatoes, maybe we could feed the world.
0: Okay, well, we've gone for art, we've gone for science. Um, I feel like there's one medium that we haven't touched and we just generally don't touch enough on Ingredipedia and that is dance. Mm. Em, you're you into dancing and the Beyonces <laughs> and such, um, but do you know? Oh God, I'm gonna that. Uh, do you know <laughs> how to do the mashed potato? No. Well, luckily Wikipedia can tell us how. Uh, let's just put on D.D. Sharp's 1962 hit "Mashed Potato Time." That's going to help get us in the mood. <laughs> dd sharp with mashed potato time now i'm just going to explain based on wikipedia how to do the dance the dance move begins by stepping backward with one foot with that heel tilted inward the foot is positioned slightly behind the other stationary foot with the weight on the ball of the starting foot the heel is then swiveled outward the same process is repeated with the other foot step back and behind with heel inward pivot heel out and so on the pattern is continued for as many repetitions as desired. The step may be incorporated in various dances, either as a separate routine or as a styling of standard steps.
1: What do you do with your hands?
0: It doesn't tell you there. And it's, it feels like there's a few different things you can do with your hands there. Uh, I've seen a few people do it. Well, the... The Monster Mash is a, is a version of the mashed potato, right. but with monster arms. So that's a, that's a, a slight vari- variation on it. Um, but I do want to talk about the, the mashed potato, because uh, I wanted to find out why the dance is called the mashed potato. Uh, I didn't find that out. Um, so the rest of this has really got nothing to do with potato. But it does have something to do with a very iconic performer, James Brown. He is behind the spread pardon the pun, of the mashed potato. So, um, well, yeah, I couldn't find a record of who invented the dance as such or why it's called the mashed potato. Um, James Brown's band recorded the first mashed potato inspired song, do the mashed potato in 1960. But for contractual reasons, it it was had to be billed as Nat Kendrick and the swans. Nat Kendrick was the drummer in, in, uh, James Brown's band. Still, it was part of Brown's kind of onstage repertoire and, uh, there's a great video of James Brown teaching how to dance from sometime in the mid-1970s, and he he like he does whatever he wants with his hands. So two years later, D.D. D. Sharp had her hit that, that we just heard from there, uh, Mashed Potato Time, and a follow-up hit, Gravy for My Mashed Potato. Um, it feels a little bit like Aqua's yeah. follow-up to Barbie Girl, <laughs> Dr. Jones, maybe that, not as successful. That was,
1: but to be fair, that was a better song. <laughs> okay,
0: look, our... Our Aqua podcast is going to be very, very <laughs> interesting. Uh, and as I mentioned before, the um, the dance was emulated in Monster Mash. And and it was also mentioned in, in a number of other songs, uh, such as Chris Montez's Let's Dance, that you might know from the Dirty Dancing soundtrack, if you had uh, teenage sisters in the 1980s, like I did, and uh, Sam Cook's Having a Party. So it, it was a cultural phenom- phenomenon. D.D. Um, Sharp's song was the second highest selling song on the Billboard charts in 1962, and we can thank James Brown. He, he gave so much, including potato-inspired dance moves.
1: I really like getting letters and parcels in the post, but I pretty much never send them. I only send, like, two Christmas cards just to my grandparents and, like, one letter. That letter you just annoyingly have to send to, like, your health insurance or whatever yep. each year. Yeah. But the idea of writing and posting letters is nice and romantic. But it's not nice enough for me to actually do it. But this week I found one post service that I'm kind of interested in. You can send potatoes to people. (laughs) Potatoes with words on them. Okay. Um, There are heaps of online services like a selection that will send a physical potato to someone with a personalised message on it. So websites like potato parcel... And Mystery Potato. Sorry, wait,
0: there's more than one yeah, potato delivery heaps, service.
1: So many. I couldn't even look them all up. Sure, some have an error 404 message on them, <laughs> <Yeah>. but <laughs> there were a lot. Um, so how they work is you type in a short message to a friend, usually under 140 characters. Mm-hmm. Some are 15 words max. And then you enter your credit card details, which is paying someone to physically write your message on the potato with a texter And then post it to a friend or enemy.
0: (laughs) So it costs like. So it's not like they're carving it in or like. No, just writing it on with a potato. Just writing like text on. I mean,
1: yeah, writing it on with like a permanent marker. That's it. Yep. So it costs $10, this service. Mm -hmm. Um, And there was an Australian version started by two Geelong teenagers, but unfortunately I got a. 404 error when I tried to visit it They're in prison now (laughs) So um, I looked on one of the websites and they had Some suggestions on what to write on your potato So if you're stuck They suggest I think you're Mm -hmm. spudtacular Happy birthday spud I think you're spudly so very pun heavy Mm. And my favourite One is I hope college is going Well (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for the potato, (laughs) mum. So the thing with this service is, like, it's really lazy. You could buy a sack of potatoes, a permanent marker, and a thing of stamps um, for as much as it costs to send one potato via the service. Um, And you could probably send a potato to, like, ten friends. But why would you? Because obviously it's a novelty. Yeah. um, Of writing a message on a screen, then having someone else that you don't know, physically write that on a potato and then deal with the hassle of posting it. A lot of people would pay an excessive amount in order for that process to happen. Um, And you can even do it internationally. So I can use a US potato messaging service and (laughs) get it delivered to someone in Australia.
0: Well, maybe that'd be interesting. Like like maybe a slightly different kind of potato, like maybe some sort of Idaho potato that we don't get here.
1: Yeah, I guess, but they don't recommend you eat it. Because like bacteria can get in, and
0: also it's been written on in the yeah. permanent marker.
1: But you can peel that off. But no, that's true. They still don't recommend you.
0: So, do you? Did you order? You didn't order nah, anything online. Uh, yeah. Um, do you think if you had placed an order, they would just have been shocked? Like, <laughs> sorry, what? Somebody? No, is, because
1: the what? Australian guys in that article said that they made five grand in one month. Like, oh, they're definitely. I not think this. <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, well it's a good business idea anyway, even if it's a bad potato idea <laughs> okay, well, we've talked about potatoes inspiring dance and you know sculpture and sciencing the shit out of things, but there's one thing that other than being an excellent high calorie food uh that that potatoes uh, are good at, and that's uh, being a toy Yep. P- potatoes make excellent toys
1: just a potato. Well,
0: the uh, embellishments for potatoes. Actually,
1: because my dog did, she really loves stuffed toys, but at one stage she was just carrying around a potato. Really? Yeah.
0: Well, maybe there's something kind of, I don't know, innate in us that makes us love <laughs> potatoes. Um, but you know, there's, there's two toys in, in particular I want to talk about. The first one is kind of obvious, Mr. Potato Head. Um, I'm just going to play a, a commercial from 1962 for Mr. Potato Head and Mrs. Potato
1: Head. Hey, there's Hasbro. Hasbro makes toys. What's new, Hasbro? Mr. and Mrs. Potato Head with their own cars and trailers. That's what's new. See, Mr. Potato Head has a car and boat trailer. And there's a car and shopping trailer for his wife, Mrs. Potato Head. It's such fun to do (laughs) and so easy. Like this. Take any fruit or vegetable. Just stick in eyes, then ears, and then the mouth. You can make the funniest looking people in the whole world.
0: So I should just point out that the, the 1962 version of Mr. Potato Head, you didn't get a plastic potato. It was just the stuff that, you know, the eyes and the mouth and the nose and real hair, like made out of, of actual kind of like hair.
1: That's so creepy. It I looks, have no idea. That... It looks
0: like a David Lynch nightmare. They are really, really terrifying. That's, that's what Mr. Potato, potato Head started out as. But
1: at. how did you stick the hair on?
0: Uh, it had like a uh, a pin, like a push pin. So we'll get to what the issues were with that. <laughs> the original Mr. Potato Children. Head, Mr. Potato Head was uh, was launched uh, in 1952. The original toy cost 98 cents and contained hands, feet, ears, two mouths, two pairs of eyes, four noses, three hats, eyeglasses, a pipe, and eight felt pieces resembling facial hair. So you even had like a felt beard. Um, but the original. Mr. Potato Head kit did not come with a potato body. So, parents had to provide their own potato into which the children could stick the various pieces. So, the pieces had to be sharp enough that they could embed in a potato. <coughs> There's a problem there um, for occupational health and safety. Uh, it was also controversial at first because uh, it was 1952. It was literally telling kids to play with their food. Uh, and so soon after the rationing of World War II, this didn't go down. So, other well, people were, were kind of wasting their vegetables and having their kids play with it. Um, but the reason that it really took off is because it was the first uh, toy advertised on television, and it was the first advertising that was uh, directed towards children and not to their uh, not to their parents. So uh, the commercial revolutionized marketing and caused an industrial boom. Over one million kits were sold in the first year in 1953. Mrs. Potato Head was added, and soon after, Brother Spud and Sister Yam completed uh, the Potato Head family, and they had, as you heard in that commercial, there a boat. Uh, a boat trailer, a kitchen set, a stroller, and pets called spudettes. But in the 1960s, government regulations forced potato head parts to be less sharp because kids were poking their eyes out, um, leaving them unable to puncture vegetables easily. And by 1964, the company was therefore forced to include a plastic potato body in its kit. Uh, little children were also choking on the small pieces and cutting themselves with the sharp pieces. Oh, God. what a genius toy <laughs> um, and the other the other toy and this has got a, a kind of a sad story is um a spud gun have you ever played with one of those No. it 's like a little plastic gun you've you, um you 've forced the kind of muzzle of the gun into a potato and snap off a little potato bit, and then you use compressed air to shoot that little potato bit at your sister that 's yeah what you do with them so yeah it, it's just uses air pressure inside the toy propels the projectile. Um, Short range, low powered, they're fun for about uh, about 30 seconds. Um, but the the sad part of the story is that the original inventor, uh, he came up with the idea during the depression when wasting food was unheard of. Uh, and so he sold the patent to his uh, toy for $600 um, to like a kind of um, a, a, a toy entrepreneur who sat on it for a while. And then after World War Two, there was a potato glut, which is possibly why the Mr. Potato Head took off as well. So there was like too many potatoes. Potatoes got extremely cheap and the uh, the toy was then marketed by uh, a brand called Uncle Milton's Toys who also popularised Ant Farms uh, and they sold two million spud guns in six months. Is that a lot? Uh, I think two million in six months is a, is a lot of guns, particularly if you've bought the technology for uh, $600 and, yeah, true. and they're just shitty bits of plastic. So I couldn't actually find anything about... Uh, out about the original inventor but I imagine he died poor and alone shooting little potato pellets at a picture of Uncle Milton. So what did we talk about?
1: We talked about potato cakes,
0: potato sculpture,
1: potato space farming,
0: (laughs) the dance the mashed potato
1: and sending potatoes in the post
0: and finally potato toys. That was the potato episode. You can vote for your favourite group of facts uh, on Instagram at Ingredipedia. Um, keep the suggestions coming for ingredients. We've had a few this week. I can't remember what they are, <laughs> but thank you. Uh, raspberries, actually. All right. Somebody suggested raspberries, which I think is an interesting one. Mm. Uh, I've said it out loud now. It means we've got to do it at some point. Um, yeah,
1: it sounds pretty interesting.
0: Yeah, Well. Yeah. we'll, we'll do, a bit of, do a bit of raspberry digging.